Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Hey everybody, I just want to let you know my audio was total trash for this episode because I was on location and I wasn't at home base with all my toys. So, it sounds like crap. I think I even had the microphone backward because I don't use that one. That's my fault. So, just want you to be aware. Accept it. Understand that this is a fluke. And those of you that know my show, you know the goods when you hear it. That's the story. Crappy Garbo Audio. Life goes on. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of the California Angels and the city of Los Angeles, on the occasion of Her Majesty's royal visit, please welcome internationally renowned opera star Enrico Palazzo. Yes, he's in the intensive care ward at Our Lady of the Worthless Miracle. today so that's as good as it's gonna get sorry there's no fun sounds but we're live here at the plus podcast prospects power half hour myself michael gobier benjamin chase follow ben on twitter at big gentle ben i've been mj gobier it's plazo podcast two l's two z's you talking to me too and we got our guests today here for the plazo podcast prospects power half hour we're going to cover the yankees and the mets the next big three who are the next big three prospects that we need to know about for each farm system you're a dynasty player you're a keeper player you're going to want to listen to today's guest He's Rotowire's finest. He knows prospects inside and out. I wish I had my applause button, so we're all just going to have to be really excited for the one and only James Anderson. Yeah! Oh, my God! Woo! Yeah! Welcome in, James. How you doing? I'm great, guys. Thanks for having me. Hell yeah, absolutely. Me and Ben, I've been excited to be doing this series and continue it forth. Last time we had Eric Cross. If you guys missed that episode, Eric and Ben broke down their next big three, their top six overall. For the Red Sox and the Nationals. So that is a really good episode. Make sure you check that out on YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you don't know our Discord, dive into it. It's totally free. I'll pop the link in here. Uh, James, it's January 19th. For those of you that are watching this three months from now, you'd be like, wow, that was a while ago. But right now, it's live. How are you uh, approaching Dynasty and Keeper Leagues right now? Are you knee-deep in that type of stuff? Are you kind of... I mean, because you're doing work all off-season, so I assume you're more advanced than the typical player. Yeah, my off season's kind of gone in waves. I, you know, as soon as the season was over, 
I really kind of had a, a jonesing for some redraft stuff. I did some of the, the gladiators, I've done a few uh, draft champions and stuff like that. Then I, I mean, the, the whole time I was kind of working on my prospect stuff. And now that I'm done with all the prospect stuff, I'm like really uh, gearing up for my first year player drafts and dynasty and, and stuff like that. So um, definitely a dynasty time of year for me, but uh, redraft is, is kind of right around the corner as well. Yeah, Ben, we're going to be doing our first-year player draft show in a couple weeks. We're going to have Is It the Welsh, Chris Welsh on the February 9th to talk about FYPD and some of the new arrivals from Asia and yeah. the like, right? That should be fun. Yeah, just confirmed. So excited for that. Hey, look at this parade of elites. I mean, the finest luminaries for the fantasy baseball industry are coming through here at the Plaza Podcast. We thank you, James, for being here. Uh, James, let's dive into it. Let's get started because it's a half-hour show. We try to keep it tight. Let's start off with the Mets. As I said pre-show, I wanted to say anytime I get a chance to make the Yankees second or to diss them or to make them a little bit more uh, less important than anybody else, I'm going to do that. So we'll start with the Mets first. And what we'd like to do, James, is for you to give us your initial top three as it stands on this date for the Mets farm system. So let's hear your first top three before we get to the next big three. Uh, Brett Beatty, number one, Francisco Alvarez, number two, Jet Williams, number three. Ooh, okay. Ben, quick response to that, my friend. Well, different order than I'd have the top two, but I think the top two in the system are pretty consensus that you got Beatty and Alvarez one and two pretty anywhere you go. Um, after that, I think that the Mets system kind of has about five, six guys that you could slot kind of three through whatever. You know, they, they have a, a good collection of of talent after that, that you could, depending on what you're looking for, depending on what your preference is, you can go after that. And for me, my third guy is Kevin Parada and... You know, I guess I'm a sucker for a, a advanced bat catcher. Um, and I guess I've all, I've liked him since he was in high school, too. So that, that's part of it, you know, and, and Georgia Tech catchers. That's another thing for me. You know, you go, you know, send me back to my, you know, Matt Reed, Weeders, you know, fetish and that whole thing. So, you know, you get back for a long ways on, on that whole thing. But uh, so that would be my only difference. But, yeah, I, I can get right on board with definitely those top two and hey brett Beatty, he might have a shot at a spot now with with correa's deal not going through and we all know eduardo escobar is not the uh, most consistent guy gonna play 160 games every year type of guy anymore and they've got some pieces that can fill in you know and luis guillorme played a good amount of games last year but if you've got Brett Beatty waiting in the wings with that kind of a bat, you know, that's a that's a heck of a bat to have just sitting there, and especially for a club that has its eyes on contending. You know, why sit big-time power like that in the minor leagues when that guy could be up and helping out your team? So. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the – Eduardo Escobar thing, he probably gets a chance to win the third base job in spring training, but uh, this team's obviously in full-on win-now mode, and if Beatty's mm -hmm. better, then I think he'll get a shot. Uh, 
I don't love him that much for just this season because I just I think there's a lot of uncertainty there uh, from a, a playing time standpoint. But mm-hmm. he just hits the ball so hard. Uh, really, uh, really good approach too. And if he can just keep the ground ball rate like in the 40s, uh, you know, sky's the limit really uh, from a four category standpoint. But he does hit the ball on the ground a lot, and that's something he's got to work on. Yeah, I remember his debut Ooh. against the Braves. I think he had he sent a ball that, if I remember right, he hit his he hit one home run in that first series against the Braves. He struck out a lot, um, and then he he hit a couple of ground balls. One of them that squeaked through that torqued off uh, Spencer Strider, but it had like a hundred and something exit velo, and it was on the ground. And you're just they had him shifted perfect or positioned perfect, everything. But when you hit the ball that hard on the ground, those things are going to squeak through sometimes too, you know, even if you, you're positioned perfect. So you prefer him not to hit it on the ground, but even then the way he hits it so darn hard, a lot of times, even the best defenders are going to be out of position. They're not going to hit, get that ball just because when you're hitting it that dang hard, it's, it's going to get through. So yeah, he's he's a guy to really enjoy. So, um. all right, James. What about your next big three? Then we got the first three. Or wait, did Ben? Did yep, you yep. got your top three, right? So we're good there. I, yeah, okay, just want to make sure I'm not crazy. Oh my god, I feel so discombobulated being on location, <laughs> not in my home base. It's very unusual for me, but I'm a professional. Got to keep it real. So, James, the next big three for the New York Mets are the following. Uh, Kevin Parada, Alex Ramirez, and Ronnie Mauricio. And I I think Ben and I completely agree on Parada. Uh, I like him too. I've liked him for a while as well. I think I just might be a, a little bit higher than Ben on Jet Williams. And is there an honorable mention real quick there before we get to Ben's? Like somebody you wanted to include, James, if there was a seventh? Was it a tough call or was this pretty clear cut for you? Uh, you know, for fantasy, I think it's pretty – it's pretty clear cut for me. I, I would love to, you know, believe that Matt Allen's going to kind of return to form. Uh, but I, I wouldn't rank him in this range until we sort of see him back in game action, but he he's probably got the, the most upside of any other pitching yeah. prospects. And and that's the guy who, you know, I have him in there and as my final, or as my, you know, I have Alex Ramirez, Jet Williams, you know, who, um, James had mentioned in his top three, and then um, I do mention Matt Allen at the end here, and that's my main reason there is just that's a guy to watch um, just because, like James said, there's the stuff is so stinking good that you got to keep an eye on it this year. If he's getting his first full year back, first chance to really see what he can do because that fastball-curveball combination is so good. If he gets any bit of a changeup, added to it that's a starter and he could move very quick because i have a feeling the mets aren't going to hold him back very you know with the two years off the way that he's had i mean other than they're not going to dump a ton of innings on his arm this year but i wouldn't be surprised at all if he's pitching double a ball by the end of the year um you know and with an idea of him probably seeing some rotation time at the major league level in 2024, if everything goes well. 
Now, I guess the reason I have him in there is just because the talent is so big, you want to watch him. But that's that's the only reason I include him because other than that, it's a whole lot of bats for the Mets. And they've got a 35-year-old rotation, and that's really all they're relying on is there's not a lot of guys coming to help out that rotation from their minor league system. It's it's what they got on hand, and if that doesn't work, there's not a lot of guys in hand to help. So, but what about that's, your uh, that's next exactly three there, the Alex, Alex Ramirez, and, uh, Jet Williams, that's and, it? and Matt that's Allen. exactly it. And I I love Jet. I think I had him really high on my board for the for the draft. Um, I thought the Mets did extremely well with their pairing for the first round, getting Parada and Jet out of that first round uh, pair that they had. That was a well done draft. Um, you know, if, if you want to say that there's a, a, a reason that they got rid of, uh, or that they uh, didn't sign, uh, Kumar rocker that looking at what they ended up getting, that's, that's a pretty good trade-off. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that is a good trade-off. I like quality trade-offs by the way, James, Chad seems to think <laughs> you and him are the same person. I don't know if that's true. Although Jasper says James Anderson is way cooler than Chad. Is that what you're saying, Jasper? That's not cool, man. Come on. Show some class for crying out loud. Chad also says, if Allen struggles, I would slide Tidwell in over Mauricio. Quick comment there, Mr. Anderson, about Tidwell. Uh, I, I've i never really bought uh, the durability and command with Tidwell, and I think the fastball maybe plays below its velocity. But, I mean – I don't think Mauricio is amazing. I just think he's he's really pushing uh, from a power standpoint. Mm-hmm. Like he's gotten so big and he's just got so much raw power. I don't think he's going to hit for a, a high batting average, but he might be able to, you know, be kind of like a two thirty, thirty homer, third baseman that type of thing. Um, but I, I'm not mm-hmm. attached to him being the sixth best guy. Okay, well that makes sense. Uh, Jeff says, "Nice guest today, Govier, Ben, and James, top of the line." Well, Ben's a regular, Jeff. Uh, I don't know where you... I know you've probably been gone. For those of you that have been gone for the offseason, now you're coming back for the regular season early previews. It's me and Ben. We do the show every week now. He's just another cog in the Palazzo machine. We're trying to rage against it by bringing in fresh guests. I don't know if we're doing a good job of that or not. But I do know James Anderson's kicking butt here as we're live on the Palazzo Podcast. Prospects Power Half Hour. We've covered the Mets. The next big three. The top six overall. Now let's head on over to the other side of town with the Yankees. And James, the Yankees, they have a lot of middle infielders, don't they? Uh, Yeah, I mean, they, they've got... At the top they, end, I mean, like, it seems so, like at the yeah. top, top heavy. It's, it's, I was trying to um, do the math or do kind of a quick glance at this, but um, they might be the only team... That I that ha- no uh, Baltimore probably does, but like the the Yankees have four guys in my mm. top forty uh, on my update that went up uh, a few days ago, and it's just the two outfielders and the two middle infielders, and they're they're all really exciting in my opinion. Okay, so having said that, as a prelude, what's your top three right now for the Yanks? Uh, Anthony Volpe, Oswald Peraza, and Jason Dominguez. 
Oh, you're not uh, shaking at all by Dominguez. I mean, you were out there. Remember what we saw at Arizona Fall League? It's a small sample. I know we were. I don't know if you were at that game the one day where he dropped that ball in center field. That was fairly catchable. I thought. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's. But, I so I. Uh, this is fantasy, though, right? I don't expect to be the one <laughs> defending Dominguez very often. Uh, I think that I I have to in this case. Um, just because, like, you know, if it was just uh, skill and ability, I might have him as, like, a top 20 or even top 15 prospect. I have some concerns about his makeup and kind of, you know, like you said, like the defense, like how engaged is he, is he does he, like, is he going to put the work in, that type of thing. Um, but what he did before the Arizona fall league uh, as the youngest hitter in a lot of those leagues, uh, I think should be weighed more heavily than what he did in the AFL. Uh, I mean, just, you know, three, four years younger than most of the guys in the AFL. And obviously there was some, you know, bad body language and stuff like that. Uh, But I mean, he hits the ball so hard. Uh, he's still been stealing bases, even though he doesn't really look like a guy that should be stealing that many bases. And he's so young. Uh, the the uh, contact uh, skill kind of improved throughout the year last year against better competition. So um, I, I'm i not the biggest Dominguez fan out there, but I think just the, the talent um, deserves to be in the top three here. Ben, do you agree with Mr. Anderson's top three? Dominguez, Dominguez is the only one I don't have, and I have a, a guy that I think is probably in, in James's next group, um, in that uh, I have Volpe and I have Peraza, and then I have Everson. Is it Pereira? Am I saying that right? Or Pereira? I, yeah, I, I always... Yeah. But uh, one of the more talented guys you will watch step his feet onto a baseball field as far as just overall five tool talent and the Yankees have had a habit of finding guys like this and sometimes they fail miserably as they get towards the top of the system and sometimes they get better as they get towards the top of the system and Everson seems like one who is seemingly get better getting better as he ages which is really impressive to watch because he is starting to pick up some of those baseball skills as he gets older, which is he's turning the tools into skills, um, which is one of those thick things that you are waiting oh, yeah. desperately to yeah. see um, as a, if you're evaluating a guy, um, you know, the, the bad example of this is Florial. You know, if you, if you want to get into a Yankees pros, outfield prospect that had all, you know, a very similar type of raw talent, you know, Esteban Florial had all kinds of talent and just got into the upper levels and just was nothing but talent. Never could turn it into raw, you know, turn that raw tool into into actual skills. But even then, he got to the majors on just how abundant those tools were. I think Everson has that kind of tool level. It's just a matter of he needs to keep polishing those skills and he'll get there. So, Yeah, I love I love Pereira. I think he's one of the most underrated prospects out there. Uh, like I said, I've got him in my top 40 overall. 
Um, the power, like his his opposite field thunder is just so impressive. And he uh, he's really just kind of flicking his bat out there. And it just, uh, you know, he, he does a, a ton of damage. Um, really good pitch recognition. But I think because he's always trying to do so much damage, there is going to be some, you know, missing on balls in the zone. Uh, I actually kind of, I think like from a fantasy standpoint, like the type of stats you might be able to get from Pereira if he hits are sort of what we were hoping we'd get from Tyler O'Neill and kind of what we did get Mm -hmm. from Tyler O'Neill in 2021, just a ton of homers, you know, 10 to 15 steals, kind of like a 250, 260 batting average. That's kind of the ceiling I see with Pereira. Did you know that we sold out and we now have advertisements? Yeah, we've gone mainstream. We're getting $6. That's right. We've made 6 bucks so far. Can you believe it? What a dream come true, $6. Anyways, I wanted to give you some preparation, some time to be cognizant that a commercial is coming your way. I'm not just going to throw a commercial mid-sentence on you. I wouldn't do that. I respect you, and I know that's annoying. So here's a countdown for the upcoming advertisement from Starbucks or Spectrum, Comcast, Apple, who the hell knows. Three, a two, one. So that would lead into your next big three Yankees prospects, Mr. James Anderson of Roto-Wire. That includes Pereira? Yeah, he's uh, the first of the next three. And then I've got Austin Wells and Spencer Jones. Hey, there it is. Uh, somebody was just mentioning Austin Wells over someone else. I think it was Christian Crespo, who was our resident scouting expert himself, the master of dynasty and prospects. He says, Wells over Dominguez. Straight up. James, is that cuckoo? Uh, yeah, I mean, I I can't quite get there. Um, Wells is fine. I mean, I, I know I, I've loved the idea of him playing in Yankee stadium and, and taking advantage of that porch. Uh, but I just, I don't see the same type of upside there. I don't even think it's really close. Like even if you think Dominguez has a 50% chance of just completely busting, I'd still rather just roll the dice on him than with Austin. Well, all right, Ben, that leads it to you. Close it out. The next big three for the New York Yankees. I, is there any differentiation between you? And I have I kind of, I left Dominguez kind of off just figuring we'd end up talking about Dominguez no matter what we did on this. So um, just kind of wanting to throw in other <laughs> names just so we could talk about them. Um, but Wells, I have Jones on there. And then I also included uh, Luis Serna, who is, uh, he's a complex picture, 17 years old. And if you talk to folks who scout the Florida complex league about arms that they saw and their top arms that they did see, his name will be one of the first two or three that they, they bring up. Um, just incredibly impressive. The, I, I have one complaint just as a person who loves to watch pictures when I watch him and, you know, just the various people that I've, I get good video from, he has a bit of a step through to the right-handers batter's box. And so he's throwing a little bit cross body as he comes home, but he controls really well right now with that. Now for some folks, they can do that forever and have pretty darn good control. Ted Lilly is a guy who did that for his entire career and threw cross body and had 
you know, he did well, just fine, you know, throwing like that. But not everyone can. For a lot of folks, that becomes an issue where suddenly they struggle, or not suddenly, but that they struggle having consistent command doing that. So far, he is not. And that's just the thing. And the big deal is he's a fastball guy whose best secondary pitch is his changeup. And you always like a guy at a set as a 17-year-old who already knows how to deal with a changeup. Because you, you can teach a breaking ball. You can teach something that cuts, something that, you know, dips, something. You, you can teach those things. Teaching a guy how to actually feel and hold and grip a changeup is one of the toughest things to do in pitching instruction. And if he's got that feel already, he's a long ways ahead at 17 years old. And you know, frankly, as far as the Yankees, Yankees can develop arms. I know that they don't have a ton of great arms homegrown in their rotation or that they've brought up right now. But, you know, still, Luis Severino, Michael Pineda, you know, start going down the guys that they have developed. And there's some pretty darn good arms if you start going down the list that they've brought through their system and turned into major league pitchers. They do a pretty darn good job of developing those. And there's a lot of guys on other systems. They, they basically acquired a lot of what they did over the last couple of years using pitchers that they've developed. I mean, they traded away about nine pitchers last year in trades that they got, they used for guys like Anthony Benintendi and, you know, and to get Frankie Montas and all this, they were trading away pitchers left and right and still have pitching depth. So, I mean, that's just the way that their system is built. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that they that they basically have stacked the entire A's and Pirates like pitching staff. So, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with everything, everything you said there. Oh, wow. Uh, what do you guys, James? Chad says, my next three is Sweeney, Jones, and Warren, which leaves out Wells, Peraza, and Pereira. They all feel like max out as backups utility in fantasy. Sweeney, Jones, and Warren, James. I feel like the guys he listed other than Jones are going to max yeah. out as backups in fantasy <laughs> and the guys he excluded uh, are the ones with the upside. I mean, I, I don't know how you could possibly have Sweeney over Pereira. That doesn't make any sense to me. Well, Chad likes to get radical. Ben knows that from our discord. You know, Chad likes to go his own way and that's, we like that. We welcome disagreement and change, but I mean, James gets a lot of respect in this room immediately because he's been doing this. Works at Rotowire. If you guys don't follow him at all, if you're not following his work, I don't know what the hell you're really doing out there. Make sure you follow him on Twitter because it's a must-follow. And it's easy to follow him. All you got to do is type in at, and then you type in the rest of it, which is real simple, right? Real. At real. At real J.R. Anderson. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. Real J.R. Anderson. Uh, We had a question that's uh, beyond the Yanks and Mets here. We have a couple minutes left here in the Prospects Power Half Hour. Jeff wanted to know about... Tiedemann, will he pitch with the Blue Jays this year, James? Mr. Tiedemann, I get a lot of questions about Tiedemann over the last 18 months or so. Yeah, I mean, I think he, no one knows if he's going to pitch in the majors this year, but I, I think it would be unwise to say that he's mm-hmm. not going to pitch in the majors just because of his age. Uh, incredibly advanced. Very few guys can do what he did last year. And he's one of their five most talented starting pitchers, like just in terms of 
stuff and ability. Uh, he might not be ready. He might get injured. He, his, you know, his command might take a step back or something like that. Uh, but I think it's in play, and I think it's it's possible he could even be up yeah. for double digit starts this year. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And then you agree I mean, with that too. I, I really, I think he and a guy like Andrew Painter is the same way who Andrew's easily one of the five best guys yeah. in the Phillies, but you don't want to push that until you can, he goes out and he shows you he's ready. If he goes out in the minors and he shows you right. I'm ready because what same thing Painter did last year is he, he pitched in a way that shows you that you have to be, you are you are incredibly advanced in order to do what Andrew Painter did last year, what Ricky Tiedemann did last year. You have to be an advanced pitcher to do what either one of those two guys did last year. That said, pitching in the upper minors, after I mean, you can get a momentum season going where you were just locked in and you are pitching in that kind of momentum for a full year, and you just you have everything in lockstep and you just go that way for a full year. Now what happens when you come back the next year? Do you still have that same lockstep? And maybe you don't. And maybe you have, you go in your second start and you give up three home runs in the first inning or the first two innings. How do you bounce back from that? And, you know, and it's some of those, how do you respond to sort of things that are going to be good to see right away in the upper minors for those guys. But if they keep on cruising it could be one of those things where we start talking by Memorial Day about what's the day. What's the day you see Andrew Painter? What's the day you see Ricky Tiedemann? Because if those guys are cruising after a couple of months in the minors, it's going to be a real hard discussion. Even if both teams are really competing, you know, if, if both teams are competing hard, it's going to be hard for them to keep out a rookie pitcher from the back of their rotation. Or, I mean, frankly, they probably wouldn't be coming as a, in as a number five. They'd be coming in to make regular starts. So, Yeah, I would even – I'm really excited to watch both those guys yeah. uh, in spring training. Uh, just, you know, that that's kind of – if you remember, like, when Alec Manoa sort of had his uh, breakout rookie season – it all started with him dominating throughout spring training. And then he went to AAA and was dominant and got the call in like six weeks. And that's, that's something to definitely track. So I've got a question for you quick, James. That's a Uh, great point. First year player drafts, you know, since we're kind of discussing Yankee system, Spencer Jones, I know is a very variable guy this year. And there are folks that, and I will tell you just because we are definitely one, you know, we have talked about on this podcast, the, the build that he has, you know, being a six foot seven type of guy with that kind of that big linebacker power forward type of frame. That's not exactly got a great track record. You kind of have either a, you, yeah, there we go. Somebody brought up the Stephen Moya comp, um, you know, that you're either, you're either going to be a star or you're, you're kind of, sitting it as a quad a guy at best you know there's really not a whole lot in between of guys that just make it well it could be Corey hart there, there you go there there is okay there's there's your one example you know there's there's a very limited amount of guys that have that build and can make it kind of you know what i mean it's it's usually guys like that fail out miserably before they even get to the majors at all and 
I don't know, I am really positive for him simply because yeah. of the organization he's in. And the Yankees have seemed to do really well developing guys. But yeah, that's that's a good one with with the Corey Hart. Yeah. I I think he's you know, I can't quite get to sort of like top eight, top five for first year player draft with uh Jones just yet. I think there's there's data that supports putting him that high, but I wasn't that high on him before the draft, and I just don't want to fall into the trap of just really overrating like everything he did, um, and just buying all the way in when it wasn't a guy that I was that high on like before the Yankees ended up with him. Um, but I do think he is a, a yeah. first round guy for first year player draft. And see, he's a guy in high school that I really liked Ooh, because okay. of there was some two way ability with him that was really kind of fun to watch as a prep player because he was so big off the mound it was kind of fun to watch but then you know as a hitter only that's a you know it's not as much fun you know but obviously he made the better choice but it's still it's just you have some of that in the back of your head if you're kind of a draft nick and you've watched that sort of stuff for a long time that might be stuck in your head and now you're trying to push him up a ranking a little bit because of that for some people. But that I, I think he's going to be a very interesting one in FYPDs this year. So. Uh, real quickly, this is from J- hot name. Hot, hot, hot. Jimmy wanted to know real quick on the Yanks, Andre Shaparo and Yondris Gomez for the Yanks. Curious. Any thoughts on these two, James? Yeah, it sort of seems like Gomez is sort of trending to maybe he's a reliever, uh, maybe not even that. Just ton of uh, durability stuff with him, injuries, uh, kind of stuff has regressed a little bit. So uh, not really a guy I'd hold in, in Dynasty. Uh, and then uh, Shaparo is actually really interesting to me. Uh, it's a little uh, concerning that nobody took him in the Rule 5 draft because – to me, he checks a, a ton of boxes, at least offensively. So I, I assume he's just a terrible defender um, because he was absolutely excellent, I believe, last year at Double A, and he's he's definitely someone that people don't talk about enough. Um, but he might be a guy that's sort of DH. You move him around. You don't really like. Maybe he's like Miguel Andahar two point or something like that. But uh, definitely a guy who we don't talk about enough. Ooh, well, I mean, Miguel Andujar's been such a badass. I love it. Although, I am secretly, I enjoyed him. I've streamed him many times, and he's been quite successful in limited doses. So I will say that. That's not, uh, he's not a lost cause, Andujar's not. And also, what about the international situation here? Does it seem like the Yankees are spending on international players, and it's been kind of a bust? They keep doing these binges, James. Is that accurate, or do you see it as... You know, you take things as they come. You throw some money out there and you see what happens. Well, they've signed a lot of, like, they've definitely gotten a lot of in-demand prospects in that market. Uh, I mean, I think we're starting to see the fruits of it. Uh, Oswaldo Cabrera, Oswald Peraza both impressed me uh, down the stretch last year. Um, Oswaldo Pipeline! Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think we're starting to see it. Obviously, like Florio uh, was kind of, he's been sort of a bust. Um, 
there have been other guys that just really haven't like lived up to the hype. Uh, but I, I think you got to just keep investing. I think that they're gonna, it's gonna start. You know, all you really need to do is turn a couple of these guys into everyday players, and it's all worth it. So, um, I think their their international, the amount of talent they bring in, should be commended more so than they should be kind of, you know, looked down upon for the output. I guess. And they they bring in big names, and some of those big names fail. But uh, what folks, a lot of times what you don't see on the international market is the Yankees a lot of times will then have a $50,000 guy that pops up and he turns into a really good seventh inning guy for him. And if you want to go on return on investment, that's a hell of a return on investment. Mm. You know, that's, you know, people don't realize the entire international market this year for every team combined, the entire international pool was $167 million. In other words, it's about $5 million more than what the Mets paid for Brandon Nimmo alone. So, I mean, put that into perspective. Major League Baseball players, they signed how many hundred people for that you know, $162 million and brought them into Major League Baseball on January 15th. And that's what they're, I mean, they're using that money to bring in all of these players and some of them for very, you know, $10,000, $50,000 for their bonus. And those guys are going to come up and they're going to pop up and they're going to end up being a stud prospect. And I mean, a guy like Ronald Acuna Jr. was a $100,000 prospect, you know, that's that's what happens in this international market. Yeah, we we go, oh my gosh, the the big time three million dollar, four million dollar prospect didn't turn into anything. They must be terrible at evaluating in the international market. Okay, you're looking at a 16-year-old. Well, a lot of times when you actually make the deal with them, you're looking at a 13 or 14-year-old kid. And then you actually put paper to pen at you know 15, 16. Okay, that's if they don't work out, darn. But then you get that $50,000 guy that pops up and he turns into something, you're doing okay. You know, so. I, I mean, I also mentioned that I've got four Yankees in my top 40. Three of those four exactly. were international signees. So, they, you know, I mean, I think they, they're doing okay. I think most teams would trade places with them in terms of international success. Oh, my God. Hell, yeah. That's a great call, James. Great point. Christian says people put too much pressure on the young international guys to contribute early. You need to remember they don't play organized baseball until they sign a contract. Especially in Dynasty, you know, you want to keep just loading up on international prospects who are five years away. Good luck with that. You know, it's this time old. We know this story, right, James? We can win championships now in Dynasty. We don't have to sit around and just keep trading and trading and trading for guys who will be a few years away. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say just in terms of his, his original point, like it's basically, I, I can't think of the last time an international guy ended up being really good, but struggled in the lowest levels of the minors. Like usually they just dominate right away. Uh, if, if they're going to be really good, like, you know, they, they could still go on to be big leaguers, but 
you know, the, the Acuna, Soto, Vlad, like if, if you're going to be special, you dominate right away. You agree with that, Ben? That's it generally the case, right? It tends to be. You don't usually have a guy that is a slow burn um, that becomes a superstar. Sometimes you have that next tier guy that becomes a, a, not the norm, you know, yeah. sometime all star, but a starter on a pretty good team type of guy that develops over time type of player. But yeah, you don't. If you're gonna have yeah, your Tatis, your Acuna, your Soto, those guys they pop up in a darn big hurry, and you know it. So yeah. All right, well, hey, there it is. We went a little bit over, but I like the show we did here with James Anderson of RotoWire. Of course, follow him on Twitter. You can get all you need from him and more at RealJRAnderson. Very easy. Capital JR. I don't know. Maybe it works when you just do all lowercase. <laughs> Either way, it's at RealJRAnderson. Uh, anything else that people need to know right now in terms of keeping up on your content, releasing updated rankings, et cetera, et cetera, with RotoWire? I just... Sign up over at Rotowire. Uh, great job hosting today, Michael. And uh, it was fun, fun talking to you guys. Yeah. Hey, you know what? I don't get enough. Thanks. I appreciate that. Thank you for the compliment. You know, nobody ever says that when we close out the show. <laughs> I mean, Ben always says it, but and I always say Ben does a good job. But we like to hear our guests compliment us as well. Thank you, James. It's been a pleasure having you aboard here. He's Benjamin Chase. Follow him on Twitter, Big Gentle Ben. I'm Michael Govier. No, I'm Michael Govier at MJ Govier. That's how you say that. And, of course, Plus Podcast, two L's, two Z's. We thank everybody in the live chat. You guys crushed it today. We had a really big uh, turnout today, one of our biggest turnouts in recent memory for this show. So, clearly, people love your content and what you offer in the prospects world. James, keep doing what you're doing. You don't need to hear that from me. You don't need my approval. You're going to keep doing what you do anyways. But, you know, just know that your presence here has boosted up <laughs> our ratings this week. So, thank you very much for that. And we hope you enjoyed. Uh, yeah, it's a good day. And that's the Yankees and Mets for this week. That's the next big yeah. three for the Yankees and Mets. For Benjamin Chase, he's James Anderson and Michael Gauvier. We bid you all adieu. Until next time. Power prospects is a curious thing. Make a person trade everything for a king. Wander Franco is your one true love. For a prospect, you'll trade all the Sometimes, but it might just save your life. That's the power of prospects. That's the power of prospects. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.